What up, what up, what up, San Antonio, Austin, Del Rio, people up in Tyler, people up in the Shy City, people down the whole 305 South Florida region. You're tuned in here to the Wednesday edition of the Sports Grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, the producer, Mr. Sam spinning the one and twos. Your number to participate is 1-800-707-9760. We are broadcasting from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. And this first segment of the day is going to be sponsored by Way to Grow. Way to Grow is a full-service landscaping company that can handle all your residential or commercial needs. They'll give you a free estimate. Just go to waytogrowlandscape.net, official sponsor of the sports crime. 1-800-707-9760. If you know what you want to talk about, like always, it's open phone lines. Feel free to give us a call. Anything that we were discussing on yesterday's show or we're discussing on today and you want to weigh in and give your opinion on, feel free to do that. We just ask you to be patient during the breaks and during the segments, and we'll get to the phone calls accordingly. Also, don't forget, if you want to follow me or reach out to me via Twitter, you can do that at SportsGrind. And if you want to uh, participate in the show, you can log on to the business page, Facebook page of Sports Grind, or my personal page, and you can stream the show live, and you can leave comments, and we'll read those if they're appropriate and they fit as well, too. And if you ever miss any of the daily uh, shows, you can always go to sportsgrindonline.com, where you can download the podcast daily. 1-800-707-9760. What's up, Jonas? Ready to rock and roll. All right, Mr. Sams. What's up, fellas? How we doing? All right, man. It's ready to go. It's hump day, Wednesday. Got some things going on. Of course, we've got uh, some breaking news today in the NFL regarding another receiver. Well, the same receiver we've been speaking of, Debo. We'll get to that here. Um, you know, they're, the 49ers, if you haven't heard today or haven't been online, Debo's officially went ahead and requested a trade from the 49ers. Um, and you know, the 49ers are in a tough spot and, and there's a lot weighing on this. And I think for people like myself and other people that have subscribed over the years that, uh, you know what? The NFL will never be like the NBA. It'll never be like the NBA. They'll never have players control. You know what? I still would err on the side of it won't, but you know what? We're there. We're at a tipping point right now. I can tell you what's going on. I mean, and this is the reason why I think for many reasons, the 49ers in a tough spot because you, in my opinion, you're going to have pressure from other owners and other GMs to not give in to a guy of Debo Samuel statue. Now this is no disrespect to Debo. I understand what kind of playoff run he had and stuff like that. Uh, but let's keep things in perspective of where he was drafted and pretty much the develop of him uh, to really have his breakout season this past season. Okay. Um, you got to be careful if you're going to give in to a guy on that level. And that's no disrespect to Debo. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of different fans of different teams that listen to this show that would love to have Debo on your squad. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if the NFL and GMs get into the business of letting guys on the level of Debo demand trades and then get their way, watch out. Okay, and, the, and, and this is why I say the 49ers in a particular spot on this one, because the other flip side of this is due to their situation, speaking of the 49ers, due to evidently, and there's factors to it. I think most of it's been with Jimmy, this slow process is because he's had surgery and he's going to have to pass somebody's physical. But I think that's why this has not happened yet. But I do think there's definitely a factor, the reason why it hasn't happened yet, because there is a little bit of divide in the organization of who they really want to move forward with 
in the 2022 season. Okay. So we know what they gave up for Trey Lance. Okay. This is the reason why this might be an opportunity, especially a week, week and a half away, uh, less than really two weeks away from the draft. This is why I say that they might have to listen to this because there is a team out there based off of the off season. He, excuse me, based off the season he came off of that would give up a first round for Debo. Somebody will do it. And, and, and this is the sticky thing that GMs and owners are going to be in is to the fact of where when you have a situation where you got to play this game one or two ways, either you're going to build it through the draft. And you need draft capital to do that. And sometimes you need to play leapfrog and move up on other teams and other organizations that might be scouting the same individual you are, especially if it's a quarterback or a receiver or a pass rusher. And you only can do that by acquiring assets. And the only way you're going to do that is you got to give up assets. The only other way you can get those back quickly instead of waiting out drafts while other teams are building teams fast. And we talked about it yesterday. There's not patience for a five or six build for any GM or head coach combo. The only other way you do that is you got to trade assets to get assets back. And as long as you've got GMs and owners that are willing and like to trade, and we're to this generation, we're to this new blood of GMs and the NFL that love, that has grown up in this fantasy football era, has grown up through this whole situation, has looked at the NBA, looked at baseball, they brought it to the NFL. The question is, how, how do they go about controlling this? Because there's two things going on. They're going to have to fight back and, and get the wide receiver money in check. They're not going to allow that to go the direction of the quarterbacks. They're just not. I'm willing to stamp that. They're not going to happen because of what I've been preaching and telling you, the difference of great wide receivers that still are ringless. It's not like the quarterback position. It's not like a pass rusher position. So the truth of the matter is you got that going on, and at the same time you have the pressures of how am I going to recruit these picks and do I really want to pay them, but also you have the pressures of setting the president's of the National Football League and 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 the the line that we're on right now because if you let a guy like Debo and his stature and you let him talk his way out of town whether he's because he's looking at it and his agent looking like look we look obviously Debo looks at himself as a receiver some people will look at him like because I guarantee you the uh, John Lynch he learned over in Doe Valley. Okay, he learned. He cut his teeth over in Doe Valley up in Colorado through those years when Elway was building those championship defensive teams and high scoring offense. And he's very frugal. And let me tell you something: John Lynch is going to sit there and tell Debo's agent, "Well, you know how many times we lined him at the backfield, didn't you? Is he really a receiver?" They're going to play that game with him. So evidently, it's reached this point. This has escalated quickly, but this is one of the. And I appreciate I appreciate this more. Then Debo scrubbing his forty his social media account from 49ers. Say it with your chest out. I talked about that last week. But make no mistake about it. The 49ers are in a tough spot. And I've always said this before. You can't win the Super Bowl in April, May, June, and July, and August. But you can lose it. You can lose your opportunities. You can lose when you have little things on the go, whether it's a guy that wants out, especially in the NFL climate. So that's going to be something interesting. But the 49ers in a tough spot because I think if you've given up three first rounds for a guy that you're not all the way comfortable trotting out there yet and you're probably going to have to regardless this year, you're going to have to recoup some of that and you might have to listen to somebody that is going somebody is going to give you a number one for even how deep this draft is in the national and, and this coming up in National Football League draft. But I will say this. Keep in mind, there's a guy calling plays 
for the 49ers who are putting Debo in those positions. I don't know if Debo is a guy that you can just drop on any of the 30 other teams and Debo is going to get that performance. Kyle Shanahan is one of the best play callers in this in the game now and maybe will go down as one of them best in his in his his generation his era just like his daddy was. And that's just being real with you. What you got? So the conversation when it came out that uh, Debo and A.J. Brown and Terry McLaurin were all uh, willing to not show up to camp without new deals, you said, well, look out. This is the deep draft class. You can find a guy to replace you in the third round this year. So is this really a tough position for the 49ers to be in? If you if you truly believe in this draft class, you tr- truly believe – and Kyle Shanahan's ability to take players and mold them to their system, why is this even a point of contention at all for the 49ers? Why don't they just pick up the phone, get him out of house, and grab a first-round pick for it? Like you said, somebody will offer it. And you can find you don't even have to worry about drafting a receiver in the first round because you weren't sweating the last couple days anyway. You weren't sweating this holdout because wide receivers don't have the, the, gravity, of the, the gravity of the situation to be able to force a, a team's hand to get a paycheck. Because of what I just told you in the latter of my take is because the 49ers are part of a group of 32 private owners, business partners, that if you, this is more than just there's, there's, there's levels to this. There's a level of them being interested because they can recoup picks to giving up three first rounders for, for a guy that never threw an NFL pass, you know, in regards to trying to recoup some of those picks and then also carrying the pressures of the business aspect. Uh, we're contributing like there's going to be pressure on John Lynch and the whole group front office to not to give in to trade him. Because of everything that I've said. So that is a, a tough spot. It's not It's not as easy as, hey, man, he doesn't want to be here. Let's just get him out. The reward is you're getting picks. The other thing is you're, contribu- you're creating this monster. You're, you're creating this monster because each individual team that is put in this situation and you have a guy goes out, whether they scrub, they, they sit there and make it known they want to be traded. Right. And you give in to them at the point of where Debo's at his contract. Be prepared over the next couple of years. You're going to have a lot of agents and guys coming to knock on the door and say they want out. It's, 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 it's no different than having the kid, having, having the family of four and there's four children and how you treat the youngest and the oldest one sets the example for the youngest one. If you give in to that one, then they'll take it. Well, mom and dad's soft. You got to set a stand. So it's not just as easy as, Hey, man, if you don't want to be here, this is a deep draft. There's bigger than that. Okay, no, and they getting pressure. This is not just this is not a take that I'm giving you. This is reality of life and general managers and owners in the National Football League on the business side of things. Right, but this is like a kid complaining about about the rules under mom and dad when they're turning 18 years old. His contract, he's in the last year of his contract. So you would as 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 a team, you would I mean the the you're going to stand on principle and let him just walk next off season? Let him come in. He's already telling you I'm not playing this season. You're gonna let him just walk next off season? First of all, I'm first of all, one thing we're not gonna do is we're not gonna give credit. There's no credit report from NFL guys. There's a very few you can count on maybe in the last 25, 30 years and maybe two or three fingers on guys that have done it. We're not gonna give credit to guys that say they're not gonna play the season in April. Okay? This is a I'm not gonna listen to any guy and we're in voluntary volunteer workouts right now. I'm not but like I told you, Debo can in in my opinion. Can for for different reasons. It doesn't mean he's financially in trouble, whatever. But at the end of the day, he doesn't have massive endorsement deals on the national level. He's barely not even got. He's, he hasn't got his first real get contract. He's not missing seventeen weeks of pay. I don't care how pissed off he's at. 
And I'm not going to listen to a guy. There's no guy that you take, uh, you know, we're no, for the exceptions of maybe an Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and a Peyton Manning and a Drew Brees, there is nobody else that tells you in April we're not. I'm not showing up to camp or I'm not playing the season that we should even spend two two seconds of airwave on. It's hogwash. It's April. These aren't even mandatory workouts. Debo is kicking and screaming because people are looking at money, and this is coming from agents of money that has been passed out in the last three weeks over wide receivers. And the truth of the matter is, is that the reason why the answer, bring back full circle to answer your question, the reason why the 49ers in a pickle, whether he's at the last year of the contract, whether he's going to sit there and maybe walk on us and get nothing, because they're in the pressure of not letting this get out of hand. They don't want an NBA situation. That's why there's not guaranteed contracts. I mean, there's, I mean, there's a Sean, and we're going to see what other owners follow that, which I doubt that there's going to be many. I mean, hell, Lamar Jackson, the, the GM of Baltimore, straight told them that, hey, we're telling him and his mom, let's negotiate in reality. We're not giving you that fully guaranteed contract. So the bottom line is there, this is a, this is a battle that's going on right now between the NFL players and the NFL GMs and owner of control. They can't get it right in the CBA. And the lockout, they can't because they don't have the staying power. They're not. They don't have a union like baseball. So this is the other way. Guys thinking that the guys knowing and thinking of the leverage they got, and if they're not happy whether they got one year left on their rookie deal, two years deal left, the thing is now just tell them we get we want out. We've got Adam's phone number just as much as they do. Give it to Adam. Tweet it on yourself. Let's get it going and let the fans talk about it. And, let, and let's see if we get our way. This ain't easy. It's just like get them out of here. That's why I opened with this to say they're in a tough spot because they're going to get pressure from a lot of other GMs not to make that move. So, yeah, that going on. Uh, other NFL things continue uh, to trickle on as well. Matthew Stafford talking like he's hungry. He might still. He's not done yet. You know, he's called, he said a couple things that kind of came across my radar. Cooper Cup has broke his silence as well, too. We've got NBA playoffs continuing to roll on. Uh, had action last night. The Pelicans tie it up. Their series 1-1 against the Suns, the number one seed in the West, a team with the best record in basketball. Um, and starting there, you know, it's one of those situations to where here comes Booker with his hamstring. I mean, he's, it's not the other one that usually bothers him. It's the other leg now. Um, look, man, I mean, hamstrings are hamstrings, and, and this is the deal. Uh, you got to give the Pelicans a lot of credit. And um, this is a team that is definitely, definitely going in the right direction. And then not only that, they're really basically giving the opportunity for themselves to really have options of what they want to do. And speaking of the elephant in the room, uh, Zion, because this is a young team. Um, I do, you know, evidently. I haven't seen probably C.J. McCullough play at this stretch, even at the times of – I mean, he had some good games in Portland. I mean, we all know that was Dame's team. Um, I was on air for years talking about they needed to break up that tandem, and they were two years too late, in my opinion. Uh, but, you know, C.J. has changed the dynamic of the Pelicans since the break. He has. Shouldn't have had almost 30 points at halftime, though, against Spurs. Still shouldn't have done it. He's not to that level. But the point is, is not only in the other guy that deserves their flowers – because the Lakers held on to him as long as they could under two different regimes, and it came to a point, and that's Brandon Ingram. Um, what they did to go into an environment like that with a coach, his first, a rookie coach, a lot of rookies making plays last night with screaming guys from the screaming women and men in the desert 
in, in that arena, breathing on their neck, making big shot after big shot, getting stops, um, you got to give them credit. Now, I think obviously the game changed when Booker went out. And I thought Shaq made a good point after the game yesterday, and I like hearing from guys that's actually played the game and can understand about the whole aging process. And he made a good point in regards to Chris Paul. You know, Chris Paul exploded um, for a stretch there in the second half when he felt like game one was kind of they got stagnant and he took over, and it really was vintage Chris Paul, like Hornets Chris Paul. But the thing is, even with the day off in between some of these games, when you get to, you know, like Shaq was saying, when you get to that level of that age, it's hard to put to to go to that, he tried to do it last night again, but he couldn't because he was probably fatigued at the stage that he is his career. And Valanciunas, by the way, I, he, he's out playing Aiden through two games. He's kicking Aiden's ass. I like Aiden. I've always said Aiden maybe get a little tough. Valanciunas is giving him the business and telling him about it. But that series one one, and that's how fragile it is, man. With a, a hamstring here, a twisted ankle there, come down on somebody's foot. We know about that, right? 1-800-707-9760. You listen to the Sports Grind. Broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark. We'll be back. Ready for a real cocktail? Introducing new Zing Zang ready-to-drink cocktails in a can. America's number one Bloody Mary mix with vodka. Zing Zang margaritas, tequila included. And whiskey sours with real Kentucky bourbon. Ready for no one to have to bartend. Real cocktails, real ingredients, really good. New Zing Zang full-strength canned cocktails. Legendary taste, legendary day. Always ready. Go to ZingZang.com to find where to buy. Please Zing Zang responsibly. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. If you've been accused of a crime, you need trusted and aggressive representation. You need the LaHood Norton Law Group. Over 80 years of combined experience handling both federal and state cases. All of their lawyers are former high-level prosecutors who know the justice system from all sides. For a free consultation, 210-797-7700 or LaHoodNorton.com. Principal Office San Antonio, the LaHood Norton Law Group. Official sponsor of the Sports Grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, Sam Spinner 1 and 2's broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. I see you working, Sam, a little 420. Yeah, happy 420, you know. Hazel Sky wishes that for y'all. Happy 420 for those that know what that's about, you know. Put one in there. Out of state, of course, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. Anyway, one eight hundred. What you got, Sam? I, like, I don't know what y'all are talking about. It's <laughs> yeah. just my wedding anniversary. Yeah, I got you. I got you. All right, man. This next segment is going to be sponsored by Talau Orchid out at the Dominion. Hey, if you're out in the Dominion area, of the Rim, stop by Talau Orchid. They're open Monday through Friday from five. 5- 
p.m. to 9 p.m. Nice family atmosphere, great menu, a lot of things to choose from. Nice wine selection as well, too. That is Tile Out Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Crime. All right, man. So, uh, yeah, so that's just the predicament the 49ers in. And then also going back to what we were talking about with the Phoenix and New Orleans, I just feel like New Orleans, you have to give them a lot of credit. And, uh, you know, I definitely think they give themselves some options of what they want to do uh, with Zion because you can look at it. I mean, that's a deep team regardless and young. I don't know if you really want to give up him this quick to get out, but they've tied it 1-1. And if, if Booker is not going to be – able to play the rest of the series. I mean, I can see Pelic. I mean, this is probably going to go six games when it's a series that was probably going to look at either a sweep or a gentleman's sweep uh, because I really don't anticipate Booker to be playing in game three. Okay, they're going to be without they, – they definitely got to hold him out in game three. They say likely to miss is the report from Woj. Oh, games yeah. three and four. Okay, there you go. If Woj is telling you that, most likely he's going to be out three or four. This becomes a lengthy series now because because they are different without Devin. And again, you know, Chris, I mean, can he lead them like that two games in a row? I don't know. But props to them. So that series tied 1-1. Also, if I can back it up to the Pels. So if, if, if they were to flip Zion, you have CJ, you have Brandon Ingram. You got some interesting pieces there. Uh, Jaron, ja- no, no, Jaron's a grizzly. Yeah. Um, but you got Jackson Hayes. What are you missing at that point? What what do you replace? Uh, what do you what do you need to flip Zion for? Still, probably another star power, another young coming up star power. Whatever you can get for him, I mean, because I you can't move Zion and just think you're going to ride. You know, CJ and Brandon Ingram is going to get you there. No, right. I but, mean, but there's there there's there's you're building a three at that point. Right, you're building a, a big three there in, in the Pelicans, and if CJ is going to be a part of it, and Ingram can be a part of that, then what is it? There is it? Is it more? You know, is, do you need a sharpshooter from the outside, and that's what you're trying to flip Zion for? Are you trying to get a bigger, just another big presence, and replace him at the? I would four? say if you made me answer that now without really just thinking and concentrating about it, I would say probably possibly another shooter, and a big. I mean, Valis Junis, he's not old. I mean, he's no, he's young, he's not young. He's a veteran, but he's not like, it's not like he's he's old, old. So I mean, I don't know. The priority is just a big. Hey, I don't think they're going to do that. Not just this year. I think they, I think they're really. I mean, we're in the era where they're going to handle you with gloves. These people are invested a lot of money in these guys, and it's and you know I understand. You know Reggie Miller. I was listening to him call the game the other night, uh, game one. And he was just talking again. The footage shows Zion dunking before the game, doing toward. And Reggie's like, "Hey, call me old school." He Reggie's like, "If he can do that, he can give me ten minutes. He can give me fifteen minutes." But Reggie's from a different era. But these kids, they're gonna handle them like gloves. But props to the Pelicans. Also, um, you know, last night I used to have a thing I always used to say on this show, especially this time of year. Um, and it plays anytime you're dealing with a four out of seven. Uh, Memphis shows slap back. They showed some slap back last night. They came back. They laid the wood to Minnesota. Minnesota looked like a team uh, that was satisfied to get that one game on the road. Um, it's going to continue to get chippy. Uh, you know, the and this I haven't gone on my soapbox yet with refs yet. I usually do every year, but I'm going to do it now. It's not really a soapbox, but, you know, it just amazes me because the, the way they're allowing the game to be played in that Memphis and Minnesota game series 
And I think they're going to look at that. I think you're going to see similar to that in the uh, the, the uh, Brooklyn and Boston series going forward. None of these games in the regular season are officiated like this. They're officiating that game. I mean, I'm I'm thinking that I'm going to see Van Gundy swinging from Patrick Ewan's leg again. I mean, they're they're pretty much refing and officiating that game like this is the '90s. And I'm not complaining about it, but it just shows the inconsistency. Like, what do you want players to do? I mean, that's why guys are getting in foul trouble. I mean, in those two series, especially in the Minnesota Memphis, it's a foul. It's a foul trouble watch. You know, because they're letting them go in and play. But I just, I'm not the one to kind of like say, hey, yeah, I understand things in the playoffs. They slow down. It becomes more of a half court game. But don't change their officiating on me a 180. Not, 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 not just within weeks. That's my problem with that. And again, if NFL can think of like, hey, man, what would you, what happened if Josh Allen would get another, you know, possession? Change the overtime rule. If the NFL can change rules every offseason, damn it, this offseason, the committee, ASAP in basketball, put it on your list to overchange and change your challenges rules. It's stupid. It, there's there's not another system out there that if you win the challenge, you still lose it anyway. Because coaches are in a situation where they can't challenge. Like the strategy is like you have no business challenging a call prior to the fourth quarter because you only get one of them. So they need to hurry up and change it. That was just stupid. Who like, they they put their play? They put their whole you know, challenge system together like in five minutes when they introduce it to the NBA. Just horrible. I would push back on on changing the 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 process for that only for the fact that it it protects the officials integrity and and their decision. You can't challenge every call. The pace of play for NBA back and forth, back and forth up the court there's a lot that any any coach could challenge. I think on any given play, not, but I'm not like saying that. No. I'd like to see the the no. pace of plays remain. I don't want to. I don't no. want them to challenge. Have, have, have how many how many challenge opportunities? Jonas, I'm not would telling you. Give you them, listen, I'm not telling you it should be unlimited challenges. What I'm telling you is you shouldn't be handcuffed to not challenge an obviously blown blown call that could get a guy. There's something. Wonder if it gets Anthony Towns' third uh, third uh, foul in the first quarter. But you can't sit there and challenge it to save him a foul because that's your challenge for the whole game. It might be the final two minutes and we've got a crucial uh, charge call. It's not unlimited, but to sit there and have a system to where you win your first challenge and that's it, that's stupid. So would you reset that to like one, you get a challenge every quarter? I don't know what you reset it to, but it sucks right now. It's the worst challenge system in professional sports. <laughs> but you don't lose, you can't lose a challenge. You can't use a challenge if you get it right. I'm not saying it can be unlimited. You can max them. I, I think fair, you should allow the minimum of two challenges per game. Okay. Two or something like that. But not there's whatever we come up with, we don't need to waste the whole show going on this because whatever you come up with is going to be better than what they do right now. It was put together in three minutes. It was like, wait a minute, guys, we can't go to lunch. Remember, we got to come up with something with the challenge system. I don't know. Give a green light if they want to challenge this. That's how quick it was. It's garbage. It's garbage. And I'm, but back to my original point. Not to get bogged down on that. Back to my original point. The way they're allowing that series to be officiated, no other games, and not even in the regular season, no other series is really being officiated like that. And I'm thinking that that's what's going to start taking place in the Brooklyn and Boston. Because in game one in Brooklyn and Boston, they were banging on that one too. There was some physical play in that one as well also. 1-800-707-9760. Also, keep it in mind, so the Phoenix Suns find 1-1. 
Uh, Memphis takes a controlling 2-0 game. And I think what I liked about Memphis last night is that I wanted to see job, what it was going to be different. Because sometimes you got to go through the growing pains on how to figure out how a team is guarding you and playing you. And Ja has still got milk on his tongue, and it was interesting to see how was Ja going to respond, how was he going to be regressive, because Memphis, this isn't just last week one, game one. Through the regular season, they have allowed Ja. They really kept Ja to the paint. So he did a good job. He stayed aggressive. He was still getting people the ball, and I thought the difference in game two and game one, he finished at the rim better. He was able to finish at the rim better to get to the line, and the free throw, uh, free throw shooting definitely, definitely continues to matter. The other game last night, Oh, Jimmy. I've been talking about Jimmy a lot. Jimmy had a career night. I think he had 45 points for the Heat. And this puts my theory to the test because now I've been talking about, you know, Jimmy, I don't know because Jimmy, but he has that game that's going to leave Sports Center and then how far. I want to see how close, how far between before we get to the next game that's similar to this. I'm not saying he's got to go out and score 40 or 45, but how, not just this series, but going for in this whole playoff run, because some people, some people got Miami winning the whole thing. But as, as they go through, how far in between are we going to see this next type of game from Jimmy? Are we going to see him follow up a 45 performance with basically getting 13, 15 points and going like 5 from 18 from the field? And you heard Coach Spo yesterday come to the podium, and he really defended Jimmy against people like myself. That's been because he was really trying to sell Jimmy, like, "Hey, man, you know, uh, Jimmy does a lot of things that we do, and it's not always a scoring. He knows how to win. He knows how to win." Well, yeah, you would just want to kick his ass about two weeks ago on national television, though, with a little spat y'all had. But I get it, Spo. But my whole deal is like, well, y'all are paying him like he's one of these guys. See, that's the reason why I have the microscope on Jimmy, and I like Jimmy. I can hear Jimmy. I like Jimmy. But the reality is they're paying him like that. But Jimmy doesn't always come through, and I stick by what I say. Kyle Lowry is as far as mommy go, but they're playing some good defense. And I like the fact that they responded. I mean, Atlanta came out in that first quarter, first half, you know, punched him in the mouth. They kind of went, and then at halftime they came out and they extended that lead and they took it in the second half. I love at this time of the year the teams that can come out and win third quarters. Those are the teams that you can really look at that are really championship teams, the teams that can come out and control the third quarter. There was a stretch down here with the San Antonio Spurs and through the championship runs of the West Coast, like the Spurs would come out and dominate and kick teams' ass in the third quarter. Period. I've always looked into that. Even going back to some of them Doc teams with the Boston Celtics, I remember that year the Mavericks won it. With you know uh, the year Dirk won it. That whole year I was on Mavericks because Mavericks I was like, you know, it was probably about we were in December, and I was like, you know, I'm watching this team every night, and they're controlling the third quarter. They hadn't controlled the third quarter. I haven't seen anybody control the third quarter like that since that Boston Celtic team with Doc Rivers that won it that first year that they won a tour. They would kick ass coming out of the locker room, and that's kind of what I pay attention to when you get to this point. Uh, of the season. Uh, but you know what? They took, they took, they took care of business. The heater up 2-0, um, going back. So that sets up tonight's matchups. Um, you know, you got some tonight's matchups to see what's going to happen in Philly. You know, Philly's up 2-0, but this is the time that I think Philly needs to put their foot on the throat of Toronto. Toronto's banged up. You're going, the, the scenery switches as goes to Air Canada. I, I think Philly, if they're a really serious contender in the East, this is one of those series you should go in there and win, get up 3-0. And don't even mess around with it because we know James Harden and we're still waiting for him to come to the party. But we know James Harden, speaking of hamstrings, his hamstrings most of the time be leaning on Jesus, too. Okay, so you want to take care of business and not let series series linger on that you can really just put away. You have an opportunity to put away. 
So that was we got that one tonight. And of course, you got uh the mega one, I mean, that everybody's waiting for. You got Boston and Brooklyn, okay, which Brooklyn's a slight uh underdog, about three and a half. I definitely like Brooklyn in the spot tonight with those points across the board. First half of the game, quarter. I, I think it's one of those situations to where you have to look at it. Kevin Durant is not gonna shoot what he shot last game. I know Boston has been on a defensive tear since the all-star break. Really all season, but they really kicked it up another notch in the all-star break. Adoka has them. They play defense. I'm like, damn, Adoka, why don't you leave some of that down here? You know? Um, but they got them playing defense. And speaking of defense, Marcus Smart, we didn't talk about it, but Mike, Marcus Smart got defensive player of the year. And I want to applaud that for the fact, because for years on this show, I feel like they've always had to give it to a guy that's like seven feet, seven feet tall or over. It's always the big guy. I'm like, man, you're supposed to block shots. If you go to the playground and you, you know, you're in fifth grade, but you're playing against the first graders on the asphalt, you're supposed to swat every kid's stuff. I, I, they, I've always felt that they, they kind of shot away, and especially in the last 10 or 15, 20 years, they've shot away from the perimeter guys getting defense. I mean, that's more impressive to me. You know, is we've gone through that big man airway. Well, you know, hey, this and that. I remember being on these airways going to bat for Bruce Bowen. It's still a travesty. Bruce Bowen never has one player defensive player of the year award. But I was told for well, he plays behind Tim Duncan today. I don't give a damn. Bruce was taking Kobe's of the world every night, everything. But they, it's just a bias, I think. I'm surprised. Oh, give it to Rudy Gobert again. It's worked. Give it to him again. So props to Marcus Smart, man. That team, they feed off that. Defense. Teams are still playing defense, better not. I know we don't know what that looks like down here anymore on East Houston, East Houston Street, but if you watch the playoffs, it'll remind you kind of what uh, how, how we used to do things down here when we, were, when we were a better team. To your point about small guys not getting the award, uh, ESPN reporting that, this, uh, that Marcus Smart is the first guard since Gary Payton in 1995-96 to receive the Defensive Player of the Year award. Yeah. And that's a travesty. There's, I, I don't know on the top of my head, but there could have been other guards that's won the award by. They shouldn't have been that long. You know? I mean, that's damn near like damn near seven, eight damn administrations already. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. So, but that's going to be, a, and you know what? Again, it's going to be, hey, how part of, how much of this is Kyrie going to block out tonight? I mean, you know, how much, I mean, this is a game that they don't really want to go back. To Brooklyn down too. I mean, I understand all, if Boston wins, all they did is protect their court. But I think you know this is a game tonight that I think Brooklyn gets. Um, you know, because I do feel there's going to be Kevin Durant. I don't know what he shot, but he ain't going like that again. And I think the main thing that I said it on when we came in here on Monday, the biggest problem I had with KD in that game was really his turnovers. Six turnovers are too many, and he couldn't. You know. We, I talked about John Moran a while ago, him figuring out from game to game. I mean, Kevin is, is the best player on the planet probably right now. He should be able to figure out how defenses are playing him during the course of a game. And I just felt like he was a constant, let them strip at the ball. He was coming. He never made any adjustments. I expect a better Kevin Durant tonight and probably a better. still going to be a hell of a game. That's going to be a hell of a series, man. That's going to be a hell of a series in general. All right, when we get back, we'll get to Mike's phone call. Got some other things to get to on the docket. You listen to the Sports Grind broadcasting here from the Hazel Skyline Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, Mr. Sam, spin the one and twos. We'll be back.